Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Last time on Dungeon Drunks, while the rot demon was defeated, it was still trapped in the totem. As the party frantically tried to figure out how to destroy the totem and banish the demon for good, the corrupted forest closed in on them, and the dryad they'd freed from the demon's grasp. Bernie's radiant holy damage, along with Carlton's connection to this forest and my leaky, were the answers they needed to turn the totem to dust. Now free from the rot demon completely, the dryad assured the party she could repair the forest, but not fast enough for them to be safe, and with her thanks, teleported them back to the safety of Amphail. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren, aka Obo Crazy, and I am really happy that the store next to me is now doing one of those pick-your-own-six-pack things, because I try to have something new on a regular basis, but I am also super poor. Fortunately, I was able to buy a six-pack of six different beers, and so today I am drinking Laguntis Little Stumpin' Stumpin' Ale, which I bought simply because it had an awesome name and, and actually a really cool pinup picture on the front. I don't know how well everybody can see that. <gasps> I've mm-hmm. heard that! Lagunitas! La- uh, did I pronounce that totally wrong? Lagunitas. Yeah. Okay, good to know. It's pretty good. It's a little more... Hoppy it is hoppy. than I tend to like, but it's not it's not crazy hoppy. Uh and yeah, it's it's a fun thing to say and it's a cool little bottle and I, I recommend it for those that like the hoppy things. Carlton, do you like the hoppy things? If those hoppy things are bunnies, yes. Uh but today I'm drinking another because we're only recording two days after our last one instead of a week. I'm drinking a, a tall boy of Arnold Palmer. Again. Yes, I bought two in case we had a lot of crits. We didn't have a lot of crits, so I still have one left. Yeah. <laughs> and they're only a dollar. I could buy a lot of them. Fortunately, the Rot Demon and its minions didn't have a lot of crits either, so that's good. Travancore, well, are you drinking the same thing you did last time? Good people of Faerun. Mostly, but with something added. Uh, what I what I prepared for me today, it's uh, still Paul Masson's uh, Golden Apple Brandy, but I also mixed it with some Canada Dry, so I'm going to call it a French-Canadian Dry. <laughs> I like it. Like, just just don't Quebecois at us, please. Yes, please. Bernie, I know you're a fan of Canada. Are you drinking something half Canadian? Actually, no. This time I made myself like a for real shrub and I just got had some seltzer water. So it's seltzer and rum and shrub. It's really good. And if you want to know what a shrub is, listen to the last episode yeah. where that gets explained. Or buy yourself a copy of The American Frugal Housewife. <laughs> or do both do, do and then both. re-listen to our episode because you should because they're fun jonathan are you a frugal housewife <laughs> not in the <laughs> least and i am jonathan and i play jonathan the magic muscular tonight i am drinking an up yours putin it is once again diet seven up and vodka and i am drinking it out of my Game of Thrones glass because <laughs> game of thrones <laughs> am i right peter peter dinklage <laughs> uh, I also have, as usual, my shot of Fireball to be drunk, 
at the first casting of Fireball this session. Uh, that hasn't happened yet since I started doing this. I'm getting a little worried. But tonight's shot is dedicated to a local friend, uh, John, a.k.a. Anakin OU. He is a prolific board gamer. He puts on the uh, BoardGameGeek.com conventions for the Board Game Geek site. He is awesome, and he listens to our show, which makes him e even extra awesome. So, John, this one's for you. Nice. Well, drinks out of the way, I will say that for the first time in a very long time, you and your characters are drinking at the same time, because as you know, you guys were just transported via a dryad back to Amphail and out of uh, the danger zone. Dang! Sorry. <laughs> nope, that's okay. I expected it. It's okay. You were then quickly ushered into the warmth and safety and good smells of the staghorned flagon, where for the first time, also in a very long time, you are comfortably seated, safely inside, eating one of those stews that's the really thick stew that they put in a bread bowl, and then they also put the bowl underneath the bread bowl because you know you're just going to eat the bread that's in the bowl. It's delicious. You've all been given drinks of your choice. They've just kind of magically appeared, kind of the same way you have, although you're assuming that Avanthia had probably something to do with it. And you spend the next 30-ish minutes, let's say a short rest, for those of you that might be keeping track or so, finally relaxing and unwinding a little bit and maybe rolling some hit die or telling people what you've been up to what would you like to be doing uh i feel like i was promised hot dogs uh hot dogs. And, and that hot dog debt will be taken inside the staghorn flagon same okay you guys were served this stew in the bread bowls, which is nice and filling and warm, and that gives Kara and whoever she's got work in the kitchen enough time to make up. They're a little more like kielbasa than hot dogs. They're they're a bit thicker and juicier, and, and it's not just beef, but they're delicious. And tater tots. No ketchup, though. Why no ketchup? Why are we living in a world? You let us live in a world with pizza, but no ketchup? I didn't say that the world doesn't have ketchup. I just said that Kara doesn't have any ketchup at the staghorn flagon. She doesn't usually. It's really hard to make by hand. It, and the staghorn flagon is. You actually don't know what it now serves on a regular basis, considering the last time you were here, you kind of expelled the old owner. And as she brings out these kielbasa hot dog things that are delicious, but still, you know, not exactly the same, and mounds of tater tots, which are crispy and delicious. Kara lets you know that she has taken over running the staghorn flagon, although she keeps insisting that it is a temporary thing. And she, she says, yes, well, I needed something to do, and it, it wasn't, I, you know, Avanthea, she needed some help. And so I figured I'd, I'd help in the, the few moments that I had. And Avanthea comes rushing on over with, with more drinks and everything. She says, I'm having lots of fun. And I hope that we get to do this forever. And Kara just sighs. And she's like, <laughs> I want to go back. I want to go back to the horses. So is it still just an inn? Or is the other stuff that the Staghorn Flagon does still in effect? And by the other stuff, you mean the crazy shit that was going on downstairs with the fixers and everything? No, no uncle and a whole bunch of guards from several of the different houses have gotten together and th that's still being gone over with a fine tooth comb but they the plan is to eventually 
collapse everything that's going on down there above for the moment the the extra tunnel has been collapsed and that's one of the reasons i i was that avanthia was able to help take over because you know they wanted guards here all the time and you she points to just the general area and for the first time now that you've had kind of a little bit of a moment to relax having come straight from this life or death battle and eat and just take in the atmosphere and you notice as she points around that the place is full and happy and there's a lot of really wonderful people enjoying a good meal and camaraderie and oh yeah there's a lot of tuft guards around huh you, you notice a few more than there probably were in here before yeah tough crowd <laughs> oh, no. No. takes away your ale and says, oh. maybe you've had enough. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Avanthia, may I? And I reach for his ale from Avanthia. She hands it to Carlton. And I down it. And as as he's downing it, she winks at Jonathan and pulls out another for him. Yay! <laughs> so... What happened? You guys have only been gone for no... It hasn't even been a ten day yet. What what happened? How did you get here? There was this nice lady, and she had sort of been possessed, overtaken by a rat demon. We saved her. She's made of bark. That's a thing. Didn't know that could happen. And she sent us back with her magical bark forest powers. This is the most useful she has been the entire time we've known her. She visited me in my dream, and it was scary. Avanthia smiles and says, Well, I am just glad that you, you are back safely. When when the giants arrived, we were a little worried, but uh, Uncle wait, said wait, that- Wait, 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 what? The giants. You had warned him that there there might be some giants from your your attempt to scare them away. and that We were very fortunate. There were With your warning, we were able to, to kill the three that came very- well, I wouldn't say easily. It's it's going to take a while for Uncle's leg to heal, but certainly <gasps> no one no one died. Or okay, you know, it would have been a lot worse if we hadn't had your. He says that if we hadn't been warned, and if it had only been, if it had been more than the three of them, that certainly oh, the town would have been in a lot worse shape. And Kara is nodding, and she says, yes, it was exciting, definitely. Dad's not happy because I wanted to go fight. But, you know, I had to go deliver some fresh horses to some of the men, and someone had to do it. Well, I'm glad it's <sighs> okay, and that it was only three. Yes, it is. It is. We're very fortunate, and, and thank you once again. And as I said, there were there were... Lots of pe- people who were injured, but thanks to being prepared, no one no one was killed. Still, there was a lot of worry that even with just the three and your warning that something ill had befallen you, we hadn't heard from you in a little while. Uh, remind me real quick, of the two, uh, Avanthia and Kara, which one are, is the more martial of the two? You're unsure, although it seems to be both of them. Avanthia is... So Laro's Tuff is her uncle, and Avanthi is the one who wanted to go off and go kill Asak M. Karthra with you. Kara is the daughter of the the head of the Eagle Shields, who is going to be eventually taking over the the house business of running the veterinary, basically for the horses. And both of them wear pants. Okay. I kind of bring them both in, and I'm like, okay, I know it was super scary 
fighting giants. Yeah, it's tough. But is there any sound better than when one of those fuckers hits the ground after it's taken after after you've messed it up and you've you've put enough arrows or spears or in my case spells into one and that thud oh my god it is great Kara starts to laugh and is shaking her head and is nodding at you and is just like oh yes it was glorious it was amazing and Avantia is smiling at everything she goes well yes but that's how uh, oh and shoot Kara- is that how oh yeah he's a little embarrassed it wasn't like Okay, Laros was amazing. Sir Laros led all of the forces, and if it wasn't for his direction, who knows how much destruction there would have been, and who would have died, and he was the one who made the killing blow on the 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 female that came that was leading the other two, and it was it was amazing, and then he couldn't get away in time, and that's yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan the Magic Muscular pulls one of these Ugh. It's like, well, at least Wait, did a he's giant okay. fall on him? At the same time, Kara says a giant fell on him, while Avanthea says a giant clipped him while it was falling. And the two of them look at each other, and then Kara says, but he was able to maneuver in such a way to save his horse. So father is very pleased, and certainly nobody is making fun of him for it. Oh, it's so good that you saved the horse. Well, and it was only his leg, and certainly that will fix eventually. And his pride. I imagine a lot of pride got wounded that day. I know. Carlton, you're probably going to want to go visit him. I'd love to go visit him. uh, I do. And cheer, cheer him up a bit after we get done. But uh, ladies, this is awesome, and I, I appreciate it, and it, uh, thank you so much. And as, as he's like, thank you so much, as he stuffs hot dogs into his face, because he is hungry as hell. Oh, one more thing. Do you know if Lady Passerac has left uh, Amphil yet? Eyebrows waggle. <laughs> There's a there's a pause as the two of the, the two ladies look at you curiously, and then Kara says, yes, actually, just... Shortly after the fighting, they were in the process of getting ready to go, and then when the the giants were spotted on the horizon, she and and her her guards, so they stayed long enough to to make sure to help defend the town. But then once it seemed like it was safe again, they've they've left. So, I, I guess the house is up for sale again. Yay! Interesting. Um, I'm certainly sad to see her go, but did she leave a forwarding address? Guys, maybe we should check out the property in case we want to have a house here. Wink, wink. Well, no, I was thinking- we have enough houses. I don't know. It might be nice to be a Lord of Amphil. Oh, God, really? Oh, we haven't seen the secret lair there. <laughs> Jonathan the Magimuscular was about to give you a, a little bop and then be like, eh, well, it's it's uh, it's a good thing we're going to, to Waterdeep eventually. And then he's like, as soon as you say that, he's like, didn't you want to get the fuck out of here? <laughs> I contain multitudes, friend Jonathan the Magimuscular. Clearly. I uh, I, and it would be a shame to waste all that uh, capital that I built up in term- and goodwill in this town. It won't go to waste and Avanthea hands you another, uh, another ale and says, it definitely will not go to waste. Something to think about. Real quick, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to put his head down. And during his short rest, he is going to recover one of his third level spell slots with Arcane Recovery. Okay. 
He is he is saving it for ascending. Ooh, and Shadow should probably roll some hit die as well because he was mighty close to dead. Lauren, is there yeah, any he music was here? Mighty He's close gonna roll to dead. all of them. Yeah, uh, you guys are here for easily an hour, eating and drinking and relaxing. And so, anything you'd like to do during a short rest, you are welcome to. Is there is there somebody playing music at the moment? No, there is there nobody is now. I pull out the pan flute. Okay, roll a performance check. Oh, oh. Uh, I, I'm, hold on, I want to aid him with my, uh, with my loot. <laughs> okay, Jonathan, roll a, per, a a performance check. Travancore, how much did Shadow recover? 17 hit points, so that's, he's good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm a little dusty. <laughs> okay, okay, wait, hold on. Jonathan, what did you roll in your performance check? 19. Okay, so yes, Carlton, you will get advantage as Jonathan joins in and, and aids you guys. What did you roll? Uh, well, now that I have advantage, let's find out. 21. Okay. When you first start playing, you haven't really, pl- not only have you not played in a while, your mouth is still full of hot dog, and your first few notes are, <laughs> and then you clear out your mouth, take a drink of ale, and try again. And then the second time, it's wonderful. And the two of you play some merry music worthy of any bard and, and get appreciative smiles and and even some applause at the end of your your tune. And Kara comes over and hugs you again, Carlton, and says, I'm glad you've been practicing. Thanks. Me too. It's good to be good at something that you're not normally good at. Exactly. Everybody needs a hobby besides, you know, Killing things. And she she yeah. winks at you and heads back behind yeah. the bar. Alright, is there anything else you guys would like to do at the moment? I can't think of anything. Bernie wants to take it back. She's been in a rotted out forest. As you say this, Avanthea says, Well, you are welcome to take the rooms that are upstairs. No one has stayed in them at all since we've taken over this place. I... It's one thing to keep hiring the cooks and the serving people and and keep the actual bottom floor running, but none of us really know how to run an inn, and that seems a little more touchy for customer service stuff. So if you don't mind that it hasn't been dusted up there in a couple of days, you're welcome to stay, and I'm I'm not going to worry about it. That shouldn't be a problem. Do you have hot water? We certainly can carry it up the stairs, yes. Lucky for you, I'm small. <laughs> Small bath. Small. All right. You just need the biggest pot your kitchen has. She offers to you the entire upstairs, which is four different rooms. You each can have your own room. Shadow is happy to eat whatever is in front of him and go upstairs and be a bear rug. Hot water is provided. There's the there's those old school clawfoot tubs are in two of the four rooms. It's you know not in every single one. So Bernie, I'm assuming you're immediately gonna go grab one of those two rooms. And actually, Bernie's gonna grab both of those two rooms. They're not next to each other. That's fine. She's sending Coco Snoot into one to get in the clawfoot tub and await his bath. He has earned okay. it by oh. being a good <laughs> battle dog. He is a good battle doge. All right. Well, as you guys are figuring out your your bathing arrangements, you finish your meals, you get yourself cleaned up. Within about another hour or two of being there, word has obviously gotten around as very quickly the vast majority of the Eagle Shields come on by to to see all of you. They uh, get filled in mostly by Kara so that you don't have to tell the whole story again. And Mouser is 
a little more wary when Kara starts to get very excited about talking about the dead giants. And she's just like, well, they haven't been buried yet. So if you did want to see them, but they're starting to smell. So we're going to take care of that really quickly, but they're kind of cool. And Mouse was like, listen, you really don't need to see giant dead bodies. It's okay. We'll take care of it. We've seen a few of those. And most yeah. of your bodies look pretty big to me. So I, I mean, it's not going to be much of a difference. <laughs> not only did we see a few of them, we made a few of them. But he fills you in and says that, yeah, not long after you warned Leros about the the possibility of, gi- of giants arriving, that the houses were able to all get together. And under Leros Tough, they put out watches. They had rangers going out pretty far to keep an eye out. And there were just these three giants, uh, two males and a female that seemed to be prodding them on. They seemed to be almost more running from something than they were running at something. And they were able to intercept them. And it was a it was a long fight. But fortunately, because everybody was warned and careful. Yeah, nobody, nobody died. A couple of, of horses were injured. And um, many people were injured, including Laros. And Mouser is also very careful to say that he was just injured while fighting and not necessarily what actually happened. <laughs> Is there anything else you guys would like to do or are you interested in just resting for the rest of the evening? Well, I mean, if we're exhausted and stinky and ready to call it a day, I think. We can check in on Laros in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. You guys gratefully bathe and sleep in the safety of the Staghorn Flagon. You get yourself a, a full eight hour rest and wake up the next morning. Those of you who are suffering from the ills of the Crypt Garden Forest are still suffering from what? those. I s- wow. Yeah. It's got it. Well, as you figured what? out the last time, it's going to take a little bit longer than one night away. It's, it's, it hasn't even been 24 hours really since you guys were suffering from those effects. So you think it might just take a little bit longer. So Travancore, you're still at a negative for moving and, some of you still have a problem hearing it. Shadow is still suffering from this anger, but now that you're not there and there's no immediate threat, he seems to be able to keep it a little more under control. So while he's he's a little more standoffish than he normally would be throughout the day, it's it, you you feel like it's him protecting everybody else from his own bad temper. You know, he's he's doing a pretty good job. Is he still taking the penalty to uh, to his AC? He is still taking the penalty to his AC. He's just, just uh, thanks to your change in climate, he's able to control his temperament a little bit better. Did we decide if this was a curse or a restoration issue? Well, you did, you were able to cure it with lesser restoration okay. last time. That's what and I thought. you did actually, one person, you did cast um, Remove Curse. And that did work as well. So it seemed to be a little bit of both. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. A little bit of craziness from the Nine Hells. As you guys sleep in these comfortable beds, in these warm rooms, in the quiet, but the not the, the crazy quiet, it's a little hard to at first get to sleep because the last couple of nights sleep has been not fun. It's been full of these night terrors and these weird dreams. And tonight, there are no dreams that you can distinctly recall, but you do feel like your brains replay the last couple of weeks over and over again. And it's it's all a little hazy, but you, your brain kind of revisits everything that's gone on. 
and some good things, some bad things, but a lot of the the skills that you've developed and the things that you've been able to do over these trying times. And when you wake up, not only do you feel refreshed and happy because you've accomplished this amazing deed, you feel more powerful. You feel like maybe you've, you've gained some knowledge that you didn't have maybe even the night before. Hey, welcome to level seven, everybody. Lahayam, I'll drink to that. So Jonathan the Magimuscular, uh, his last kind of snoozy dream is of some of the spells he'd been working on. And he finally, he wakes up in, with a start from his snoozy dream. He goes right to his spell book, uh, grabs his inks and writes down a couple of last bit, a couple of notes. And he's like, Eureka! He's made, he has made some progress. He is, he's very, very happy with how things have just now worked out. Yep. A couple of those spells that you've been just mulling over in the back of your head finally clarify. And as you come down in the morning to meet everybody downstairs, the smell of eggs and bacon and sausage and fresh fruits is palpable as um, Avanthea and some some other men and women that seem to have now been hired on to help her are laying out what seems to be some sort of breakfast buffet. Nice. Guys, check this out. And Jonathan the Magimuscular touches himself and casts Polymorph. Oh god! Oh, okay. Alright. I didn't didn't want to watch you touch yourself either. (laughs) So, you, like... You know how in Harry Potter, when people apparate, they kind of like, like turn in on themselves and be all. He does that, and sitting there is a barn owl, and he's like, "Whoo!" And he starts flying around. It's like, "Whoo, whoo!" Starts flying around the whole. Place. I'm sorry, you need to do the "whoo, whoo" again, and hoo. everybody listening to this podcast needs to know that as he was doing it for not you all, but us to see. Romaku is going, uh, uh, and like kind of <laughs> flapping his arms, but not like, it wasn't like chicken dance. He was doing the chicken it dance. Wasn't full. It was kind of this weird combination. We're going to get so many letters <laughs> from owls. <laughs> Where does, this is great. I didn't know you had so such a thing he, as owls. he's flying around, he tries to find Bucks and he's going to give him a wing five. Bucks is and Bucks freaked is the fuck out, man. A, a, he's not freaked out as much as... This is a little unnerving because he's used to perching on his companion, not following him around in the air. And so every time you, he's like following you around the same way a mother owl would follow around uh-huh. a, a chick, a chick who's just learned to fly, considering this is your first time flying. And so it's ungainly and you're inside. And so it's it's a lot of flapping when owls tend to glide a lot. And so you're kind of awkwardly flapping and then also trying to show off and like barely staying in the air and flying these big long circles is Avanthea and all of her servers are just like, ah, what's going on? I don't understand. And Bucks is like very smoothly and steadily just like constantly staying about a foot behind you waiting for you to fall out of the air. As soon as someone <laughs> opens the door, I, uh, he's going to... Uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to dart out the door and start flying outside. There's nobody else except for you four and your animal companions and Avanthea and the uh, the servers in the in the inn right now. So you're not sure how long it might take for someone to open up the door. All right. Unless one of you would like to. Would you like to just head towards the door and hope that somebody opens it up? Yes. Uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular in owl form. So 
Owl the Magimuscular is going to fly towards the door and he's going to land in front of the door and he's going to do one of these. Like excitedly, like kind of rock back and forth on his claws. Bernie was hoping you would just run into the door. He well, he gets to keep his uh, mental ability scores. Do so I? He's not as smart. The target's game statistics, including mental ability scores, are replaced. Oh, it's replaced. Really? Yep. <laughs> I th- it retains its alignment and personality. I thought you kept your. Nope. <laughs> now you're thinking right. wild shape. The weird thing about that is, then how do you get out of polymorph? I think you just. <laughs> I think you just. Uh, it concentration up to an hour. So in an hour. I plan to be an owl for an hour anyway. I don't think you have a choice. I would if I cast it on someone else. Oh, yes. If you cast on someone else, I need to look something up. In the meantime, Bernie is going to go over to Jonathan because now she's bigger than him. And she's going to pat him on the head. She, uh, Jonathan the Magic Muscular is going to fly up to your shoulder and nuzzle, give you an owl nuzzle. Oh, that's really sweet. Bernie's going to put him in a pillowcase. Oh no! <laughs> okay, Why? wait. Before before this happens, hold on. Before this happens, Jonathan, what's the uh? You use intelligence as your spellcasting ability. Yes. Yeah, you're stuck as an owl for the next hour. I I figured so. Yeah, I I was thinking of uh. I thought with polymorph that you kept your game statistics. I believe shape change. You keep some of your game statistics as well. Yeah. All right. So yeah, you immediately turn into an owl um and you don't know who most of the you know these people are friends, but you lose any sense of names, places, things you wanted to do. You know Bernie's a friend and she seems to be the least threatening of all of them and so you land on her. Uh Bernie, if you're going to try to put well, the Jonathan idea in the bag, was that she was not going to put him in a bag, but kind of like put the pillowcase over him so when he waddles around it's just a little pillowcase moving across the floor. Well, uh, I'm still going to let Jonathan make a dexterity saving throw because unless he doesn't, unless you would like to be in a pillowcase, would uh, you like to be in a pillowcase? Jonathan the Magimuscular, as in owl form, would prefer not to be in a pillowcase. So he is going to try to right. make that save. So that's plus one. Go ahead and make a dexterity saving throw. 14. All right, Bernie, make a make a dexterity check. So roll a d20 and add your dexterity modifier. <laughs> What's your role? She rolled an eighteen. Uh, an eighteen. It's just an eighteen because I don't have a dexterity modifier. I have a zero. Okay. Uh, what bag are you grabbing? Well, I have a pillowcase kind of on me for stealing. What? Okay. You just you just have a pillowcase just just it's, in case. It's her loot sack. It's her loot sack. Did you not ever have like a pillowcase when you realized that while the pumpkin at Halloween was nice and Halloweeny, a pillowcase could hold so much more candy? Well, yes, absolutely, but I never thought about owls. Okay, Jonathan in owl form is quickly snatched up by Bernie and placed inside a pillowcase. And Bucks is going to swoop around and thinking that this is the worst thing to happen to an owl is going to try to free. Jonathan. Well, no, you gotta understand. I put him in the pillowcase, but then I write him on the floor, and now he's walking around the floor in his pillowcase. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so you put the pillowcase down, and Jonathan, you are blind. <laughs> there is a tiny waddling form underneath the pillowcase, kind of waddling around. It's so great! Oh 
Bernie has had the best morning she's ever had in a long while, watching Jonathan the Mad Muscular repeatedly run into things in his pillowcase form. And I go, look, I cast Polymorph! Barely acknowledging <laughs> the hijinks around him, Travancore simply goes and fixes himself a plate and enjoys his breakfast. However, Shadow is quite amused by all this, is watching with great interest. And Shadow is intelligent enough to kind of understand what just happened. He doesn't quite know why. And he doesn't, I don't think he understands that Jonathan did this to himself or why Jonathan would continue to be an owl. But he's friends with Bucks. And so why not owl version of of Jonathan? And so he's going to just, he follows the the pillowcase around, like pretend stalking it. Almost like a dog does when his, when his front, uh, when he's play stalking stuff and his he puts his front haunches on the ground and he's got his butt way up in the air. And every once in a while he goes, and he like puffs out some air and makes Jonathan like waddle a little bit more because Jonathan can't see anything. So every time he feels a puff of air, he goes, woo, and just like that. And Bucks is going to land on Shadow's butt and be exasperated. <laughs> Bernie, Bernie has what is called a shit eating grin on her face and she's just looking at Bucks and she's like hey. and then she'll see the look on Travancore's face and see that there's some simpatico there and he's gonna come over and fly on your shoulder and land the entire time this is happening Carlton just has a giant stack of pancakes that he's just been going devouring just like pancake 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 <laughs> Now, granted, this has probably only been going on for about 30 to 45 seconds, but you still manage to get about a dozen pancakes. Yeah. Yeah, they're not huge pancakes. They're almost, what are those, dime dime pancakes? Like the little ones. Silver dollars. Is that what they call those? Silver dollars. Thank you. They're silver dollars. And so, yeah, you are, you get down a dozen of these before anyone knows any better. All right. Is there anything you guys would like to do for the next hour while Jonathan is is an owl? Bernie's going to stop laughing at this and go eat breakfast, but she's going to chortle through breakfast. You all have breakfast and eventually, hey, Bernie. What? Actually, would any of you know? Bernie, go ahead and and roll an arcana check. You might be the only one who would know. Yeah, might be. But Bernie's not like the arcane arts are not really hers. I know, but you're the only other spellcaster in in the group who has any arcane training. Travancore is a natural spellcaster. Got a seven. An hour goes by, and you guys just think that Jonathan is just ha- really having fun being an owl until poof, he turns back into a human lying on the floor with a pillowcase on his head. I wouldn't have gotten free in 45 minutes. I, you never asked to be free in 45 I, no, minutes. No, I never got the chance to say I that, feel like, that Jonathan, yeah, the, yeah, Jonathan, Jonathan the Match Muscular would request a saving throw. Bernie, All right, give me a dexterity saving throw before maybe you. Bernie felt bad for him and took the pillowcase off after a while. I don't know, nobody said anything, so I was just going to make you appear with a pillowcase on your head. All right. Jonathan the Magic Muscular in owl form struggles. He's like, oh, oh, oh. and he's like, what'd you roll? A one. Okay, yeah. You you eventually decide, well, I live here now, and you just <laughs> waddle around on the floor Ooh. for 45 minutes. You see, you hear a sad who. <laughs> oh, okay. Bernie doesn't like the sad who. It's not funny anymore. She takes a pillowcase off him. All right. And he starts flying around again. All right. And then 45 minutes later, poof. And Jonathan appears. In my head, you were up in the rafters and yeah, you just I, kind I of fell. fell half a story. <laughs> that was the, the woohoo part. It's like, ah-ha! as he falls from the rafters. 
and crashes on the table and ruins breakfast. <laughs> and Avanthia hands you a pre-made plate as at this point she is also, you guys have had uh, your breakfast except for Jonathan. She's cleaned up the buffet and hands Jonathan kind of a leftover breakfast buffet plate and says, this is only because you didn't poop everywhere. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God, guys, that it was so much fun. Except for the pillowcase. Stare. But the rest of it was fun. Bernie oh gets my off God. the table and goes and gets the pillowcase. I guess she already has it, and she puts it away later for when she's going to need it to steal things later. All right, good to know. What would you guys like to do? The day is yours. Bucks, is it always that awesome when you fly? And Bucks sends you a slightly sarcastic mental image of you failing miserably to look graceful at all. Hmm, fair enough. I'll have to work on that. All right. We but- need to work on that. Like, the mental images of him being like, yeah, you're, you know what? It wasn't bad for your first time, but no. No, dude, no. All right, well, uh, yeah, we'll we'll work on that, definitely. So, friends, like, I figure we're still feeling the effects of the Crypt Garden Forest corruption, but are we really going to run anything between here and Waterdeep that um, is as bad as what we fought? I wouldn't think so, especially since- Remember those weird know. things that came out of the ground? Of basilisks? No. No, no the, the other the, things on yeah, the way like, up. Flail snails? No, no, the other thing. We oh, ran into the, them on the, the road. Yeah, the Antilles. Yeah, the Yeah, the ants. The, the li- ant lions. I mean, I think that's the worst thing we're going to run into. I think probably in, in enough shape to, to be able to handle them. I, I feel stronger. I just think we're going to run into boredom. Last night, uh, like an hour before we went to bed, Jonathan the Magic Muscular sent a scent. That spell that he recovered was ascending, and he sent it to, to Doravine. The message is... Retcon. Ah, uh, mission accomplished. On our way home. All right. You did not get a response back. Okay. You also know that they have to respond very quickly. And so if she was busy, you know, I think she only gets like a minute to respond. So Something it is like very that, possible. Yeah. yeah. And she's not waiting. Right. She's not waiting on bated breath for every one of my messages. No, that's not very Dorvian. No. So what do you, oh, we got to go visit uh, Laro, see how he's doing. But maybe after that we head out. Yeah, I think we we do that. Um, we mount up our horses and then yeah, we head out. We we say well, we gotta we say goodbye to eagle shields too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll we'll say goodbye to our friends before we head out. Yeah. Okay, you guys pack everything up, grab your horses, which have been expertly cared for, and you're going to the tough compound first to go see Laro's tough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You swing on by there. He is resting comfortably in one of the downstairs guest quarters that has been obviously converted into a makeshift bedroom of sorts for his. He is in a, he's in night clothes, which at first is incredibly disconcerting as this is a large, muscular, imposing figure. Who you've only ever seen in practically full plate armor? Isn't that and night clothes? <laughs> I hate you so much. And Larosuff suddenly heals himself, pulls out his great sword, attacks. But no, you are you are led on in. the The guards are a little trepidatious as they knock on the door, and and there he is, not in bed. He is sitting at a desk, writing what looks like a letter. 
his left leg sticking out at an awkward angle and wrapped in basically a cast. And he turns with a little bit of difficulty as you guys come in and smiles a little bit and says, uh, I am glad to see that the fruits of thy labors have been very successful. And it is is good to know and it was good to hear that you were okay. Yeah, we uh, weren't expecting giants. Hi, Leros. Hello. I'm it sorry is... you got stepped on. Trust me, I am very sorry as well. It's a constant peril in my life, too. Yes, but it, fortunately, I've been told by the doctors that I will be well enough again to be on my feet on a regular basis in a few weeks. So <laughs> oh, doctors. we can do better than there that. There we go. Bernie would like to do a heal on him. Okay, you're going to come over and cast. What would you like to cast? Oh, what would I like to cast? I got a couple options. Let's give him the one. I can basically, I was actually looking at this. I got a lot of things for when I like don't have spell slots that I can just do as actions. Concierge medicine is a wonderful thing. I know, right? It's like that show that used to be on TNT. Exactly. You are house. Do you mean as rituals and where you don't use a, up a spell slot? Uh, yeah, I can just use I can just use channel divinity. I can use channel divinity as an action to restore HP to five times my cleric level to any creatures in 30 feet range and divide the HP among them. There you go. Are you going to do that with Laros? Yeah. All right. How many hit points would you like to give him? Well, what's five times seven? 30? 35. Before I do that, can I do a medicine check to ascertain like I mean, obviously, in DM terms, it's going to be how many hit points he might need. Or is it... Is, no, medicine check's the one where I basically just heal him. It's not a, like, checkup uh, no, to see what's wrong with him. Is it? Oh, uh, medicine check would be all of those things and more. So if you'd like to do a medicine check to see how bad the break is and whether this is something you can fix with just a, a little bit of healing, sure. 12. Out of still 12. It's not a great medicine check because there is a cast... So Bernie can't, Bernie doesn't have x-ray vision. No, Bernie does not. But from what you can tell, yeah, it's a bad break, but it seems to be expertly set. So if you decided that you weren't going to do anything, yeah, probably six to eight weeks, this cast would come off and he'd be feeling a lot better. He'd probably be limping for a good year. You do think, though, that it would be pretty easy for you to heal him. All right, Bernie's going to just give him the 35 points. All right. Uh, as you walk on over, Leros is in the process of talking about how long this is going to take. You eye the cast critically, and you hear that he starts to say that the the healers and the, the, the doctors in the Tuft employ are some of the best. Uh, uh, and he's... He gets a surprised look as you're, you stop looking at the cast and you reach out and you kind of have to touch him on the hip in order to find, to not have to touch the cast. And he's a little startled by that. And then your healing energy goes through the leg and you see his eyes light up a little bit. And then he says, I'm going to excuse myself right now as I've been very interested in getting this cast off and itching my kneecap for the last few days. You're he welcome. Gives, he gives Bernie a very gratified look and bows to her and then stands up and very awkwardly hops, kind of hop walks his way out of this room, calling for his sword. <laughs> well, I guess that answers the question whether he's like one of those... Uh... Christian science faith heal type deals. I hope we didn't offend him by curing him. 
But I guess it's fine. Oh, no. Doctors are nice. But, you know, sometimes they do what they do. But you know how people feel about quote-unquote god pawns in this town, so. Oh, yeah. Um, But he won't. I'm pretty sure he's very happy now. Yeah, he seems pretty woke. Yeah, it was very obvious that as soon as he realized what Bernie did, he... He gave you the Laros Tough version of a giant smile, which was pretty much a small smile, and then looking like he had some energy in him again. But uh, Carlton, especially you, knowing him probably the best of of everybody, he's not, this is not a man that is known for huge outbursts of affection. No. He is super happy. <laughs> he is super happy. Okay. All right, and if you stick around long enough, you'll see that he spends the next five minutes sawing off the cast on his own leg to scratch at his own pale, pale leg. It's all pale, and it's a little hairy, and it's just, ugh. Has an attention to shave. It's, of course it's only been a, a couple hairy. of days. I didn't know, like, shaving your legs was a thing in fantasy land. For some? It wouldn't have been, except uh, probably they would have shaved away some of the hair when they fixed and set the leg. And it's only been a couple of days. So it's not like he hasn't been in a cast for six to eight weeks. Okay. You guys literally left Amphail on the the 11th and it's the 19th. So it hasn't been that long. Unless there's something in specific you'd like to do, I can say that you'll swing by you'll swing by the Eagle Shields and say hi to everybody and um unless there's anything else in specific you'd like to do, you you can start your way out of town towards Waterdeep. While we're doing Pass that. Act the uh, stables? Yeah, I mean, I don't mind checking out real quick, but while we're on the way there, if that's okay with the group, Travancore would like to inspect the progress of his beard because it's been a little while since he checked in. It has been. Go ahead and roll a perception check. Okie doke. Roll a beard check. We haven't done this in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. 22. It's a hell of a beard check. It's good news and bad news. Uh Uh-oh. It's coming in nicely. Like, it's it's filled in a couple of the spots. It's no longer kind of this patchy new bit of fuzz. It's now... It's now a beard. It's not a huge beard or a long beard, but it's definitely no longer, I haven't shaved in a couple days. You now have a beard. You could swear you see a couple gray hairs. Uh-oh. row. <laughs> You're not old enough to have a couple gray hairs, but, you know, the last the last week has been stressful. Huh. Well, I, I look at them and I think to myself, I've earned these. <laughs> All right. You say goodbye to the Eagle Shields. You said you wanted to check out the Passerac house? Yeah, just to see like if there's a sign to tell how much it's for sale. There was a secret lair there that we never got to explore. That's also true. Okay, you guys head on over to uh, where the Passerac house is, just not that far out of the way, especially on horseback. House seems to be in perfect order. It's deserted. There is nobody around, and it seems to only have been deserted for a couple of days, and... So you are unmolested as you circle around the house. And as soon as you get around the side, the right side of the house of the huge mansion and can see towards the back where Carlton, you had previously gone exploring, you see that the stables are collapsed and burnt. Ah. Well, so much for that. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. All right. You guys are going to take the long road and and start heading back towards Waterdeep. I'd like to try Uh, and track somebody. No, greenest. Greenest. We're going to right Greenest before first. we leave. I'd like to see if I could track somebody who'd been here previously. Okay, who are you trying to track? Well, it's kind of stalkery, but <laughs> Olivia Passerac. Yeah, right. yeah, that's a, real stalkery. Yeah. Just using the skills that 
you know, that, I, you that know I've acquired. You know what else is a skill? Asking around town. Yeah, using that nobility to, to ask for an audience. And you were told that everybody left, and she did indicate that she um, was probably heading back, if not towards Waterdeep, then towards one of the, the larger cities. But if you would like to spend a few minutes and roll an investigation check, you can see if you can find some tracks. Well, sure. All right, everyone sing along with me. Detective Travancore investigates. Well, no. that's not going to help very much. <laughs> no. <laughs> or not so much. Eight. Good. <laughs> Good. Bernie doesn't condone stalking. It's not really stalking. She said I'd be welcome if I saw her again. It's literally stalking. She told me that she'd she'd want to see me again if I came. So if it makes it easier to find her, why wouldn't I try and do that? Well, with an eight, I mean, you'd have to be blind to miss the giant exodus of an entire house, guards, horses, dozens and dozens upon dozens of people leaving all at what you can only assume was the same time. And it seemed like they were heading back towards Amphail. Uh, and you can only assume that they were heading towards the Long Road. But from there, once they actually get onto the Long Road, you quickly lose sight of the tracks. It's obviously been several days, and they just get mixed in with all the other foot, horse, and wagon traffic. Yeah, I'm going to chalk it up to, the, to the, my foot pain distracting me. Okay. Oh, I gotta so you, do that thing for you guys. If you'd like. Or you could keep waiting. You don't know how much longer it'll be while you're outside the Crypt Garden Forest for it to abate on its own. But uh, you could do that now if you'd like. What say you? Do you guys want to wait or do you guys want to do it now? Let's see if we can do it now. Why not? I mean, yeah, who knows what we're running into? Like, we might need to be how many weary on the long it? road. I do. I do. Okay, I got and the then spell Shadow slots. Well. I do it on both of you. Yeah, that way I can get my perception back up. And Lauren, so correct me if I'm wrong, but like Waterdeep would be like kind of on the way to Greenest, correct? Well, considering how far away Greenest is, half the Sword Coast is on the way. Let me know when you've got your map, because you would have a map on you yeah. um, of the Sword Coast kind of in general. So this is this is something you guys would know. So, if you guys find where water, it would be a little easier to find Waterdeep, which, if you're looking at the big map, is kind of a little more north than halfway up the map on the coast, obviously. And so, from there, it's easy to see where Amphail is, where you guys are now. Follow from Waterdeep, go south on the tradeway, past Daggerford, through the High Moors to Dragonspawn Castle, go across. Uh, an overland past the troll claws, past the forest of worms, uh, towards Borsky Bridge. Get back on the tradeway. Go past Trenta Hills. Go past the Reaching Wood. <laughs> uh, go past Burdusk. Go past the river. Go through the green fields, and in the green fields is greenest. So what you're saying is it'd probably be easier for us to go to Waterdeep, Jonathan to do his schooling, and then get a boat from Waterdeep to Baldur's Gate. I didn't realize that Greenest was that far from Waterdeep. Yeah, and it's a hike. Over land teleported. from Baldur's Gate. Oh, that's you right. You guys teleported. I completely and forgot that. Yeah, that's how you ended up. You ended up just south of Waterdeep through the teleportation circle that the cultists had set up. Right. You guys are months of overland travel away from Greenest. Or a boat away from Greenest. Okay. Which is still at least a month away. Right. Maybe you it's should cast sending again. And, um... So it's going to take you about a day and a half by horse 
for, to get from Amphil to Waterdeep, because you guys have some really nice horses, mm-hmm. uh, to charter a boat and travel by ship all the way to Baldur's Gate. You don't know how expensive that would be, but you're pretty sure it would also take a couple of weeks, probably two to three, ten day. And then from Baldur's Gate, it's probably still about a month worth of travel to get from Baldur's Gate to Greenest, because much of that would be overland greenest is kind of out in the middle of nowhere so now you can do all of that if you would like to do that we can get started but i I like the way you guys were like let's go back to greenest made it sound like it was a day or two away was that close i didn't know greenest was that far yep yeah i was Um, and you guys made it a point to destroy the teleportation circle just after soria went through it to go back to greenest right like Jonathan, but she is not going all the way back to Greenest for two months so he can have sex. I mean, that's fair. That that's fair. Uh, also, all right. So we there may- are other ways of traveling that distance. As also, there Jonathan are other knows. ways of getting laid. I mean, you guys aren't. So wait, exclusive. we we destroyed the teleportation circle in Waterdeep, correct? It, the the way station that the, the cultists station, yeah. had south of Waterdeep. Yes, you destroyed that. I was going to say that the tele that the Mages College that I'm going to be spending some time at does ha- probably I don't know this for sure have a teleportation circle that could connect to Greenest. Jonathan, you also are pretty sure that they'd have access to high enough level mages who could cast teleport uh, teleportation circle, which can kind of get you anywhere. Right, you better so- make some friends, buddy. Yeah, you have no idea how you'd have access to those or how expensive that would be because the that spell alone does consume some stuff. But um, all of you are pretty confident, even outside of the mages' colleges, most major cities do have locations in where you can get access to teleportation circles. They are just very closely guarded and you have to either pay a lot of money or know the right person because obviously those are very easy ingress points and a city like Waterdeep that prides itself on being a shining beacon of safety in the middle of the hellscape that is the Sword Coast not any Tom, Dick, and Harry can go walking in but you know you've got some options it sounds like the bet for Jonathan the Magimuscular at least the best way in is to use uh, is to get in good with the Mage's Guild that seems like our next move he was going to do that anyway. And if that doesn't work, we could try sailing because that will still be quicker than over land. Exactly. All right. Well, then, all right. We're going to we're going to Waterdeep. <laughs> the Heralds all of right. are going to Waterdeep. <laughs> all right. That's where Bernie thought we were going all along. <laughs> Sorry, Jonathan the Magic Muscular's geography sucks. That's all right. That's my job, and that's why I mentioned something before you guys started to make the trip directly to Greenest Overland and get into a lot of trouble. Anyway, on your ho- the last time you had to travel the long road, it was either mostly on foot or you guys had run into a couple of, of wagoneers, uh, Bronwyn Dunn and her crew, who gave you a ride for most of the rest of the way. This time, you are on Black Chargers, and so not only does it eat up the miles between Amphail and Waterdeep, it is a much safer overland travel. You are on a well-traveled road, patrolled on a regular basis by water Waterhavian guards. You are on large, imposing horses that are moving fast enough for most creatures to not be able to catch up with you. So for the rest of the day and into most of the day tomorrow, you are... 
easily traveling without issue and unmolested. And so tonight, would you like to spend the night on the long road, just camping, or did you want to spend it in the pocket house? Pocket house. Pocket house. Pocket house. And then you could set up your guards, uh, your eight-hour guardians, to guard the pocket house portal. If you would like, you can absolutely do that. I mean, why not? Let's test it out. Okay. As you guys get back to the pocket house, you kind of go off-road a little bit. Travancore and Carlton very easily find a place for you to set up the the black bolt so that you it's the teleportation circle to your house is not out in the open, especially after the last couple of days where you've had to find these places in this decrepit forest. This is a piece of cake. You arrive, and the first thing you notice is that some of the plants that are in the planter box have actually started to grow. Wow. <laughs> Carlton makes that exact sound. That's the most disturbing noise I've ever heard a half-orc make in my life. <laughs> my plants! Uh, there's no actual f- fruit or veggies just yet. You just see that it's been long enough that most of the plants have actually started to break through the, the surface. You see some of the quicker plants are, are doing a lot better. You you do notice there's at least a zucchini plant and some cabbage. They're doing really, really well. The rest of them just seem to be growing at a, at a regular basis. The modrons are all incredibly happy to see you. Everything looks to be in order. Bernie, where did you want to set up the, the spirit? Or not the spirit guardians, the... Guardian of faith. Guardian of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, can the guardian of faith kind of like float right on top of the portal? Uh, I think so. Let me... Well, you know what? Read to me what the criteria are for what it can... A large spectral guardian appears and hovers for the duration of an in an unoccupied space. I guess so it has to be next to the portal. So, and then does it like patrol an area or just stay within five feet? The guardian occupies that space and is indistinct except for its like sword and shield and symbol. And any creature hostile to you that moves to a space within 10 feet of the guardian for the first time on a turn must succeed on a dexterity saving throw. The creature takes 20 radiant damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. So Bernie, while this is a new spell to you, you obviously being familiar enough to be able to cast it, you would realize that placing it directly on top of the teleportation circle actually might not be the most tactically sound place to put it because of the way it reacts to a creature entering its hostile zone. You probably want to place it on the pathway leading to the house so that way if something appears on any part of the teleportation circle, because it's a fairly large area to accommodate, say, all four of you, your horses, Shadow, the the owl, and Cocos Newt. Um, but the path to the house is only about 10 feet wide. So if you were to place it on the pathway about a f- five feet away from the teleportation circle, doesn't matter where they appear, they will activate the shield guardian and probably not be able to get past it. So, Sounds so the answer to your me. question is yes, but you would tactically know that might not be optimal. I'm going to do the tactic. all right you place down your guardian and it's a little weird to see this glowing so you said it's the sword and the shield and the symbol are the only things that are visible well yes but let's let's take a little bit of creative license here because that's fucking boring well tell me what you would like i've been thinking about this 
I figured. Uh, so here's the thing about Bay's religion, or like Bernie's religion and Queen Bay. Queen Bay is not the first queen, nor is she the last queen. There was one that came before her, and there will be one that come out comes after her. And so, of course, the shield guardian, or the guardian of faith, takes the form of the queen mother, Queen Tina, Miss Tina. <laughs> and does she have amazing legs? Tina Turner? No, not Tina Turner. Beyonce's mom is named Tina, I thought. I don't oh. know base history. Also, I totally would have accepted Tina Turner, because Tina Turner is a goddess. Tina Knowles. <laughs> okay, it can be her too. Listen, this is your pantheon of gods. I was actually thinking about this, and I was like, do I want to do other singers? In which case, it would have had to be Queen Latifah. That would have been a good one, too. could have been. Queen Dana. Who is really awesome, and I spent a whole, whole lot of time not listening to her, but watching her on TV as a kid, because she was in, um, what was she in? Living Single. She was in a Living Single, and I loved my sister. I loved Living Single. Well, it was like, a 90 I thought she world. was the coolest, coolest, coolest. But then I thought it would be really nice to do like, like a, a dynasty. And Beyonce's mom's pretty, pretty damn cool. So that's that's a hundred percent fine. And this is your pantheon, so I'll roll but with it. How about we make it? How about we make it the Queen Mother Tina? And then anybody who wants to think it's Tina Turner can think it's Tina Turner. I'm gonna say that's that's gonna include your DM. Okay. Damn. Or maybe Tina the Turner. Queen Mother takes on different appearances depending on who's looking at her. I like Ooh. that one. The Queen Mother can take on appearances, any appearances. The most of, fierce of Queen Mother you can you imagine. imagine. Kind of like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, except what you what you uh, imagine is the most fierce woman that you've ever you could ever imagine. And so, but here's some rules: this person has to have in your. You have to know for a fact if you're going to imagine a real person, this person has to be an actual mom. Okay. I think I'll Tina Turner has, has to be a Tina. Doesn't have to be a Tina, but it's named Tina. It is the Queen Mother Tina. Way too much about this spell, but I love it and it's amazing and I wish we did this more. So anyway, you set up Tina Turner or who, whichever Tina or whichever fierce guardian you imagine on this space and head in to, to the pocket house for the evening. The Modrons are happy to see you. Everything seems to be in order and hey, Look at your garden growing. It's adorable. The rest of you is green. Why wouldn't your thumb be? Exactly. Guys are going to eat so healthy. It, it's still going to be a while, but the moderns seem to be taking very good care of it. Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to slip outside and cast Ascending. Slip outside of the pocket house? Yeah. Okay. Well, who are you sending and what would you like to say? Uh, he's going to send to Dorveen and he's going to say- Are you trying to be, before you tell me, are you trying to be sneaky about it? No. Okay. All right, you slip outside, and what would you like to send? Uh, he is going to send, uh, going by Waterdeep first, likely be there a while. We'll find way to greenest quicker, or you can come see me in Waterdeep. All right, you send that, and a moment later, you hear Dorveen in your head. She's got what you can only imagine in your head from the tone of her voice is a wry smile, and she says... If only there was some way to teleport there. Otherwise, see you in a few months, I guess? <laughs> well, we can clarify that with further sendings. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you guys would like to do in your pocket house tonight? I want to inspect the moderns. Okay. Roll a investigation check. Detective Travancore does the thing he does. Whoa. Okay. 
Uh, 22, but that's a natural 20. Drink! Nice! Everybody drink! Drink! Mm. The last of my drink. You thoroughly go over the moderns who are very happy to see you because the last time they saw you, it was, you. none of you looked good. None of you looked nearly healthy, happy, or in what they would think is good repair. So they are super happy to see all of you. You inspect them before bed and they seem to be in, in tip-top shape. It seems like the garden, gardening life suits them. Well done, farmers. Well done. Oh, that's <laughs> very, very weirdly steampunk. <laughs> yeah, they don't even, they've been meticulous enough to even clean the dirt off of whatever parts they're using to work on these planter boxes. So you, you can't even find any dirt. It's, it's impressive. Proud of you guys. You guys uh, head to bed for the night. And uh, so the first thing I need is as you wake up in the morning, I need everybody to make wisdom saving throws. Wait, okay, so here's another thing that I did not realize as I was preparing my new thing. I actually have, what is it? Is this against magic? It is not. Oh, fuck. But it's a good question to ask. Apparently, I have advantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws against magic, but I also just have a plus one to my This is sadly not magic. I need wisdom saving throws just from the four of you. Oh. Oh, no. Okay. Carlton? Five. And Bernie? I Ten. Ten. And Travancore? Thirteen. And Jonathan? Fourteen. Okay. Carlton? You have a dream overnight. At first, it's a very familiar dream. It is a dream of the Crypt Garden Forest. And it seems to start along the same lines as the last few dreams, where it's this green lush forest that then slowly decays and rots before your eyes. And then you've been waiting to hear... Kind of in your dream, you're aware enough of what's going on that you're expecting the voice of someone, either the the plea- pleading dryad or Myleki or the rot demon or something. But no voice comes. You just watch as the crypt garden disintegrates in front of you and falls to ash and dust and darkness. And then it's dark. And after a very long time, you hear a voice whisper in your head from very far away. She says, I will not forget the kindness you have done for me. And for a moment after you hear her say this, nothing happens. And then very slowly you see off in the distance, the sunrise. And as the sun rises and bathes the landscape in golden morning light, you see that the Crypt Garden has been reborn around you, that the trees that had turned to matchsticks are now trees again, that the ground is no longer mud and rock and dirt, but grass and shrubs. You hear birds and insects, and you see that instead of the the fetid air, it is clear breezes and golden clouds above you as the sun rises. And it's gorgeous. And then you wake up. Is there anything you'd like to do this morning? I'm gonna think happy thoughts. Alright, I also need Carlton, Travancore, and Shadow to make constitution saving throws. 
Uh, is this for the despair? Because Jonathan the Magic Muscle. Jon- yeah, I'm sorry. So Carlton, Travancore, Jonathan, and Shadow. I need the four of you to make constitution saving throws. Boo. All right. Carlton. 24. And Travancore? 13. And Jonathan? 10. And Shadow? 9. Uh, Carlton, you no longer have ear scabs. They seem to have gone away. Yay. You're not sure if it's the dream. You're not sure if you just had a really good night's sleep. The rest of you wake up rested. You've had a a full night's rest. You regain everything. But um, Jonathan, Travancore, and Shadow are still suffering those lingering effects from the Crypt Garden. Boo. Um, Anything y'all would like to do this morning before you head out? Barney's going to do the how many people are still suffering from lingering effects. So magician or wizard, bear, ranger. Um, yeah, that's, like, all my second-level spell slots. It's up to you. Jonathan still has ear scabs. Travancore is still suffering from a, uh, basically club foot. And, uh, Shadow still has a negative one to his AC because he is still feeling antsy. So just heal Jonathan. Bernie is gonna... Yeah, because we're on horses. Yeah, Bernie's gonna heal Jonathan. Woohoo, I can hear again. You know how when you go to the ear doctor and you get cleaned out and then you can hear everything? That's what uh that's what Jonathan the Magic Muscular feels. He's like, Oh my god, I hear ants. Now does she do this with like a candle like like hand like up to his ear where she like burns away the wax? No, Bernie just closes her eyes and touches an ear and just goes, Oh, oh, oh and, no. <laughs> and and she's like, oh, 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 oh. And, and I would describe gone. it, but it'll make Julia in real life yeah, gag. Yeah, Julia so we'll in real just... life will gag if you tell her any more about crusty earwax. She... Mm, fuck. Oh, there's no wax. <laughs> oh, no. It's not wax. No more details. She takes a moment and she seals herself and bops you on the nose. And Jonathan, the the persistent... Um, it was almost like having water in your ear. Like, you could hear. Yeah, water is a good descriptor. A little muted and a little muffled, and it was it was just annoying this whole time, and it finally clears for the first time in a day or two. Or three. Sorry. Alright, anything else before you guys are going to head out for uh, the continued trip to Waterdeep? Nope. Onward. Mm-hmm. Onward! Alright, you gather your things, you gather everything up. Who's grabbing the pocket house? Who's grabbing the, the black bolt? You know, Jonathan the Magic Muscular hasn't handled it, so I think he will. All right. He grabs the black bolt. He puts away the teleportation circle. You guys head on off um, on your second day of travel. Sky is clear. It's the first time you've really seen sun in several days. It's a really nice ride. And as you're taking one of the turns along, you've got some really nice perception around you because while it is clear it's also very cold it hasn't really started to snow around here it's still kind of frosty but it is very cold even throughout the day but it's that kind of cold clear day and where you can see for miles and you can see down the the long road in front of you as you head southwest towards Waterdeep. you can see a couple of carts and they don't seem to be moving they seem to be stationary Oh, real quick before I forget, uh, Bernie, do you think I could have the pearl back? Oh, yeah, and, and Bernie, Bernie fishes the pearl out of her, um, she's been keeping it in her pillowcase for stealing. 
<laughs> Can, although in, in fairness he gave it to you you didn't have to steal it no but she likes she likes her pillowcase for stealing things and so she's she right. knotted it into a corner in the bottom and so she's like very carefully she's like i kept it safe and she hands it back thank you all right and i will assume that you attuned to it this morning before you guys left sure I'll be a kind and just DM and let you attune to it Thank before you, you leave the house, even though even though that's technically retconning, even though we've now been several hours down the road and we've, you guys see some carts. We've got a little bit of retconning this one. This one is just like the episode where they retconned. <laughs> retconned the episode. <laughs> I know, right? Bernie's going to retcon her entire look. She now has purple hair. She dyed it in the rock Our garden. Our party member is Superboy, and he's punching a wall. <laughs> All right. You guys see probably about a half a mile down the road a couple of carts. They seem to be unmoving on the long road what would you like to do i want to check out those carts i want to let's approach i want to purse i want to oh i have a thing the danger danger you know like i can look i can detect danger right that's a thing i'm making this up aren't i I don't know what you're talking about. I do danger, have danger sense, sense is you, yeah that's usually a barbarian thing oh, what do you have bernie got it bernie can I got it. detect good and evil you can. That you can definitely do. Yeah, Would but you, these, I think that uh, let's let's just look. Bernie looks up at Carlton and tugs on his pants and goes, "Can't you like tell us if it's dangerous, Carlton? Use those ears you cleaned it, out it, so nicely." It, it, it's it's kind of when it's directly coming. I can see that it's dangerous. <laughs> I thought you had a thing. He's got essentially spider sense. He knows the moment before it happens that he's about to get whacked. He can uh, make advantage on some saving throws. Yeah, basically danger has to be coming at me for me to see it. In which case, Bernie's going to do a perception check. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to send Bucks into the air to, to look. All right. Uh, as you guys go riding up to, you can see it's two carts, no horses, no people on them. Um, and as you come riding up, go ahead and anyone who wants to give me perception checks. Detective Travancore percepts. All right, uh, Travancore and Shadow. Uh, 16 for Travancore. Shadow does not take a touch next to the time unless he has to. Okay, Bernie. Okay, wait. Also, do you know what else I did find? I found a lots of things. I found my battle, my battle doge stats. Hey, battle dog. And so my perception was a six. Wait, no, was yours a 16 and mine was a 16? Wait, yeah, we both got 16s. We both got 16s. So me and Travancore both got 16s. So it's like, wait. And my dog can do it too. And he got Coco Snoop got a seven. All right. And Carlton? Uh, I only got a 14. And Jonathan and Bucks? Uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular get, got a uh, not nearly as good as Bucks, maybe. Yeah. Jonathan the Magimuscular got a seven. Bucks got a 15. Okay. Uh, you guys, as you approach the carts, you see that they are rend in a weird way um they are slashed at as though some large animal had been clawing at them it looks like the horses were broken off of their reins because you see bits and pieces of leather hanging off of parts of the carts where they should be tethered to this was this was not carts parked by the side of the road while somebody was was just taking a leak or something, this, these carts were attacked. They do seem familiar, though. And in fact, uh, anyone who rolled over a 15, you're pretty sure one of these carts, you don't recognize the other one, 
but one of them definitely was the cart that you guys rode on with Bronwyn Dunn and her two elven guards. <gasps> oh, oh, no. no. And what would you like to do as you guys kind of approach these carts and, and notice these things? I want to see if I can track Bronwyn, because apparently that's what I do now. <laughs> well, actually, as a ranger, that's what you always have done. I'll yeah. go ahead and roll a investigation check. Okay. You also, those of you who rolled double digits, very clearly see that both carts... If you remember from Bronwyn's cart, the the original one, they were stocky, almost chests on wheels. These were very secure carts, and they both seem to be still closed. You're not sure if they're locked. You'd have to check, but it seems like whatever attacked these carts didn't actually break into them. Uh, Travancore, what's your role? I think the game's telling me not to do this anymore because <laughs> I rolled a seven. The game's like, lead them ladies alone, Travancore. <laughs> you um, like, this is stalking. <laughs> You bring your horse around the carts, kind of checking out the general area, and whatever happened here was a mess. There are just torn up bits of dirt and grass everywhere. Obviously, some sort of fight happened, and it is just too messy for you to really pick out any details. I'm going to grab my axe and prepare for trouble. Okay, you're staying on your horse? Um, How far out are we? How far would you like to be? I'll get within 30 feet and then dismount. I would say you're closer to make those perception checks, so you probably would have been about 20. All right, I will dismount then and okay. approach on foot. What would you guys like to do? Uh, I'm going to approach on foot and look for survivors or anything like that. Okay. Uh, You don't see anything with that perception check from earlier, and you can see that the ground is just torn up. Like, Travancore is obviously looking for tracks, and he can't really make out anything. There was a fight, though. That's for sure. I want to try something different. I so love it. Shadow has keen smell. I want to see if he can smell something that would match like a like a baddie in terms of an enemy that he'd seen before. I think it gives him an advantage on perception, right? It does. If he's doing a smell check, he gets advantage. Sweet. <laughs> Wisdom. Oh, cool. You are very good at Foley, Lauren, I must say. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. I don't have a Foley artist with me, and I'm a DM, so I gotta make up my own. <laughs> I will say this. When I'm good, I'm good. When I'm bad, oh, it's bad. I like no between for me. the poof you did. The it reminded me of the poof, the poofing in and out noise uh, from Sword in the Stone. Please don't. <laughs> I, it's one of my favorite Disney anime movies. I'm just I'll, take that as a, I'll take that as a compliment. It is a compliment. Right, I love Sword in the Stone. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. What did Shadow get for his his smell check? So, 15. Okay. He searches around on the ground around these carts, and he doesn't... He smells a lot of stuff. Most of it he doesn't recognize. But you guys traveled with Bronwyn and her guards for a couple days, and he picks up on her scent. And he moves around the cart, moves around the first cart, the, the carts are pointed towards Amphail. So at least when they came to a stop, it seemed like they were heading towards Amphail and you guys are heading towards Waterdeep. He circles around the first cart, picks up on the scent, circles around the second cart, moves to the back of it where the door is and starts to paw at the door. And you hear a noise from inside the cart. All the, the window is closed. The door is, it seems to be completely shut. The whole cart is just locked up. And as he starts to paw on the door, you hear a voice inside. 
None of you can quite make out what the voice says, but it's definitely a female is inside. And, but you you don't quite hear what she says. It's quiet enough that you just kind of hear a, Travancore's going to open the door. Hey, it's us. You actually call out, hey, it's us? Yeah. Okay. As you do that, you hear a growling from behind you. Ooh. You, for a moment, you're kind of distracted by the noise coming in inside the cart, and you hear this, and you turn, and you see out of the trees come three figures, two of them on the ground, and one that seems to leap from one tree to another. And as you are attacked by these creatures, you notice that the two of them that are on the ground, that it started to growl at you. It's it's an unnatural type of growling because what you see are these giant bear-like creatures with the face of an owl that come lunging <gasps> at the both of you. And up in the tree, you see another figure. You see another creature that goes a leaping from one tree to another and... It's weird. It looks like a lion, but it clearly has wings and a very human-like face. And you hear it call out to you in a language that I don't think any of you understand. But we'll check that next time as we'll start our next episode with you guys rolling initiative as you guys are attacked by some beasties in the forest. Wow. (laughs) So before we go... I'm going to remember to give you guys experience Sweet. before we stop. So mostly a, a RP episode. However, I did want to give you guys some, some very nice experience. Um, Jonathan, for your absolute glee at turning into an owl, despite the fact that you got stuck that way for an hour. Bernie, I really appreciate that you took the time to heal Laros. You could have just left him, but the fact that you, you gave up some of your, your healing to heal him, he really appreciated that. Travancore, thinking about going after Olivia Passerac, uh, as much as everybody's like, that's creepy, that's creepy, that's still, I'm kind of, I'm impressed that you remembered and thought about that. And Carlton, uh, eventually you're going to eat something that's going to come from your plants and you're going to be super happy. And uh, so it was kind of fun to see the look on your faces. You're like, yay, vegetables. The big, burly barbarian is like, yay, vegetables. Yeah, why not? Hey, everybody's got to stay regular. Exactly, right? And a barbarian who likes to put things up his butt would know more than anybody else about staying regular. <laughs> That's true. And for taking the time back in Amphail to to let everybody know what had happened and uh, kind of give everybody the heads up, I'm going to give you a total of 2,240 experience to split between the lot of you. Thanks for listening to our adventure. Follow us on Twitter at Dungeon Drunks or find us online at www.dungeondrunks.com and see you next encounter.